What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the second episode of the From a Fan podcast. I'm your host, Tom Regan. I wanted to take a second to thank everybody for listening to my first episode where I covered the Packers 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, In today's episode, I'm going to cover The Last Dance, the documentary that covered Jordan and the Chicago Bulls 1998 season, which Phil Jackson titled The Last Dance because it was the last season he was going to be coaching. It was the last season that the team, as they knew it, was going to be together. So the first thing I want to talk about is the viewership. Obviously, without sports going on, this got a lot of attention. Everyone was writing about it. Everybody was set to watch it every Sunday night. The viewership was about 5.3 million people live. But because ESPN made this available right on their platforms, no matter how you watch ESPN, everybody could watch it on demand and streaming afterwards as well. So it doesn't reflect the real numbers of the viewership, but 5.3 million is still very good. Uh, Quickly about this documentary, the timing was perfect. Obviously, with everything going on, there is no sports. So anyone that wanted some semblance of sports or anyone that Love Michael Jordan and wanted to know more about him. Anything of that nature, they were tuning in to watch this. And they were really figuring out more about someone that they look at as the greatest basketball player of all time. A lot of people classify him as that. And people just wanted to learn about him. So this gave a really good perspective on Michael Jordan's career that nobody's really seen before. He's been a pretty quiet superstar and especially after he's retired he's been out of the news as much as possible so a lot of people don't know about him a lot of people haven't seen a lot of him playing a lot of his games a lot of his moments they just seen the big ones like the last shot the the flu game stuff like that they they know about those but they didn't see jordan through his entire career i thought something that was really cool about the documentary was how they dove into Jordan's teammates, and they had a lot of his teammates actually interviewed during this docu-series. So seeing the episodes on Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, the one that particularly blew up was the Rodman one, where he actually disappeared and went to Vegas for a couple of days. I don't think he missed any games or any time, any uh, particular regular season games at, during that time, but it was actually pretty funny that they let him go to Vegas and he wound up being MIA for a little while. Uh, another thing that was cool is they they actually showed moments for from his teammates when he actually when they actually left the Bulls. So Horace Grant, when he went to the Magic, he had a moment where he beat the Bulls when Jordan returned in the '94 season. And B.J. Armstrong, when he went to Charlotte, he had a game where he went off on the Bulls. He had a couple of really big shots, including the game winner, and he let them know it. Now, when they played with Michael Jordan, they obviously didn't learn too much because all they did was fuel his fire. And just looking at the way that Jordan attacked any sort of criticism towards him, whatsoever and he just used it to his advantage and to give himself a competitive advantage it was unbelievable 
even there's a particular story that he made up happened in order to to give himself an edge of fire or something in the next game where one of the players who who had a really good game against them came over put put his arm like good game mike like sarcastically which you found out later never happened he made it up to make himself go off the next game you don't see a lot of people with that competitive fire and just watching all of these reporters and all of these people inside the team tell you these stories and confirm these stories was awesome. I thought it was really well done from that perspective. One thing that I think they could have done a little better is mixed up the highlights a little bit. I know during the Scotty Pippen episode in particular, they had the dunk on Ewing and Later in the series, they covered the year that Jordan left to go play baseball. And that was the year that Pippen actually dunked on Ewing, and they showed it again. And for me personally, just recycling that highlight, it would have been really cool to see it when they were covering that particular season and showing how Scott kind of rose to the occasion after there was an incident with him kind of quitting on the team, which we'll cover in a little bit. So, key takeaways for some of his teammates. Scottie Pippen, apparently he does not like the documentary. He didn't like the way that he came out during the documentary, which I totally get. The beginning, they just showed how Scottie Pippen was his best teammate, and without Scottie Pippen, there is no Michael Jordan legacy. There is nothing like that. Jordan says that himself. He gives Pippen all of the credit, and it was well-deserved just looking at their interaction, the way that they fed off of each other, the way that they played together was really, really unique to see two superstars come together like that. They made Scottie Pippen towards the end of the documentary to be a complete villain. He quit on his team because they were going to let Tony Kukoc take the final shot Apparently, he messed up the final play. There's some speculation about that. The play before, Scottie Pippen actually had the shot, but Kukoc didn't go to the right position, kind of forced Scottie Pippen to take a bad shot. But in this particular instance, Kukoc was designed to take the shot. Scottie Pippen was mad about the fact that he didn't get to take the shot, so he sat out. He didn't go in the game. He said, I'm out. Put somebody else in the game. Tony Kukoc winds up hitting the shot against the Knicks to make the series 2-1 instead of down 3-0. It's a huge shot. It's a huge turn in the series. But when they get back to the locker room, you just see everybody's just angry. Like they just want a big game. They want a huge game, and everyone's pissed off because their leader for the particular year was Scottie Pippen because Jordan wasn't there. So they all looked to Scottie, and he let them down. And looking at the frustration on Phil Jackson's face right from the locker room, right from that footage, you could just sense that he was pissed off at Scottie Pippen. And I think that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, also, Scottie Pippen held out, and this was covered early in the series too. He opted to get a surgery done in the middle of the se- or the beginning of the season, which actually kept him out for a good chunk of the year. 
when he could have gotten the surgery in the offseason, but he was trying to prove a point to management. So he was kind of putting his contractual stuff ahead of the team. Jordan obviously didn't like that. He constantly said that during the documentary too. Uh, but what, looking at stuff like that, it just didn't paint Scottie Pippen in a great light, especially towards the end with the whole quitting situation. Another player that I personally didn't realize just doesn't get enough credit is John Paxson. John Paxson hit so many big shots. His stats were not that great in the regular season. When it came time for the NBA Finals, Paxson was the guy. He was the guy that hit the big shot. He was the guy that Jordan made the pass to. He was the guy that always seemed open because they were double or triple covering Jordan. And that's another thing. Jordan passed the ball. Everyone that thinks Jordan did nothing but take the final shots, they are wrong. He passed the ball. They showed multiple times he passed the ball. Uh, obviously, Horace Grant was someone that was also painted in a bad light, as particularly by Michael Jordan. There was a story that was leaked about Jordan being a bad teammate, and immediately Jordan says, oh, that had to be Horace. Had to be Horace Grant. And Horace Grant, who was interviewed during this documentary, denied it profusely, denied that he ever spoke to these people. Uh, he knows he had a good relationship with the reporter, but he never spoke to them about the way that Michael was as a teammate. Michael and Scottie Pippen were both convinced that it was Horace Grant, 100%. I thought the documentary was, was really well-placed, well-timed. Uh, kudos to everybody that was behind that. I know the story behind it was this was actually recorded in 2016, and Jordan actually agreed to do this documentary the day of the Cavs championship parade in 2016. So it was obviously targeted to kind of give a shot saying people are talking about you being the go now, but I want to remind them who was the original, who was everybody looking up to, who was everybody modeling their game after. And it's funny how that triggered Michael, even today that competitive fire and the edge still is in him because that's when he agreed to do this. <laughs> The final segment that I want to cover today is the great debate. Who's the best? MJ, LeBron. Some people want to put Kobe in the discussion. Whoever they want to. I'm here. I'm going to talk about who I think is the best. I'm going to tell you about some statistics that I drew up. And just from my personal perspective, what I've seen. First, before we even dive into anything, you're allowed to like all of these guys. You're allowed to say, oh, I really like the games of all of these guys and put it together, take what they did best and say, oh, this would be the perfect basketball player. This would be the perfect lineup. You could do an error, goat, however you want to classify it yourself. It's fine. You're allowed to like all of these players. It, it doesn't have to be, oh, I like this player. And me saying that they're the greatest means that the other player is not good. That should not happen. People do it way too often where in order to make their argument, they're putting other people down. And these are all great players that are on the all-time list. ESPN came out with a list right at the beginning of this saying 
MJ won. Kobe was nine. Uh, a lot of people didn't like that. But Kareem was three. You know, Wilt was up there. Bill Russell was up there. And all really great players played in different eras. Uh, one thing Jordan has always said in interviews when he's asked about Kobe, when he's asked about LeBron, when he's asked about the players that came after him, is it's hard to compare because you're talking about different eras, right? So it's difficult to compare because they didn't play against each other. You didn't see them go head-to-head in their primes. The players that did, you obviously can't compare that player to that player because they went head-to-head. They were in their primes. You saw what they brought to the table. There are other factors, sure, but ultimately you can compare them a lot easier than you would people from different eras. With that being said, I personally think that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player that's ever played. Michael Jordan was the first. Michael Jordan was the one that inspired a lot of the players. Today, he helped create this new game of basketball where athleticism and the ability to shoot the mid-range game and hit the outside shot and play defense. He modeled, Everyone's modeling that game after Jordan, and everyone will admit that. You see everybody that's interviewed say, oh, I, I always used to watch the games. I always used to try to be Michael Jordan. I used to play in the backyard, trying to do the, the fadeaway, trying to do the, the last shot, trying to emulate everything that he did. Every single person that they interviewed in between different points in the documentary, uh, Mello, Dwayne Wade, all these players, they had nothing but nice things to say about Jordan, nothing but great things to say about his game and how they tried to emulate it. But for me, I think the reason why people won't agree that LeBron is the best is because they try to put him down. They try to to take some of the things that weren't perfect in his career and use it against him in the argument. I personally don't think that's the right way to handle it. You want to show different things for different things. Fine. Different statistics for different statistics. Fine. Um, A couple of things come to mind right off the bat. So at 22, LeBron takes a team that does not even deserve to be in the playoffs if you look at their roster, to the NBA Finals, right? His second best player was Ogausilis or Varejao, whoever you want to put as their big man one, which they were kind of interchangeable. But that was his second best player going to the NBA Finals at 22. Jordan at 23 plays against a great Celtics team, a really, really good Celtics team. He wills his team to go to the the playoffs, give him all the credit in the world for that. And he puts on a show, but he gets swept. That's his coming out moment. People kind of forget about that early stage of LeBron where he scored all of those points in a row against the Pistons in the fourth quarter. And that's when Tayshaun Prince and Richard Hamilton came out and said, this guy is going to be the real deal. Uh, taking that team to the finals was something that I don't know if any other player could have done, honestly. Um, another false narrative that's constantly said about LeBron is he doesn't ever want to take the the clutch shot, the clutch points. He, he doesn't have that instinct there. So 
I dove that into that a little deeper. So clutch points classified as five point game with five minutes left in the NBA Finals. Jordan, 132 points. Kobe, 216 points. And LeBron, 286 points. He is scoring more when the game matters most. Jordan, with 132 points, maybe he was ahead more than five points for a lot of it. Uh, the games were a lot lower scoring. If you do look at the final scores for a lot of those games during the documentaries, you do see that they were lower scoring. He had a ton of points per game, but the games were a little more defensive heavy. Less fouls were being called. The game was different as far as that goes. So there's some stuff to be said a little bit with the statistics, but 286 points for LeBron. He's taking shots in the final minutes. He's not just passing it every single time. That's not fair to put that on him. Another thing is the free throws. That is, I think everybody could agree, LeBron's worst worst facet of his game is his free throw shooting. For LeBron, for the clutch free throws, again, five-point games, five minutes left, LeBron is 26 of 30. He's shooting 86.6% from the free throw line. That's significantly better than his career average. That's also significantly better than both Jordan and Kobe, who people classify as one of the most clutch players ever have in their career. They're both shooting 77.7% from the free throw line. LeBron at 86.6 is significantly higher than both of them. So even at his worst facet, he's still stepping up in the big moments. He is a clutch player. I don't know why people like to pinpoint specific moments and say, oh, he's not clutch because of that moment. But then something else happens. And for some reason, it's not him that did that. It was some other factor that got them to that point to even put them in the situation. People are, I feel like people are just trying to put a false narrative on LeBron. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people like to make the argument when Jordan left, the Bulls were a really good team still. They were second in the East. I think the Knicks were the number one seed. They wound up losing to the Knicks in seven games in the Eastern Conference Final that year. They had three All-Stars, B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, I talked about B.J. Armstrong and Horace Grant a little bit. Uh, they left the Bulls shortly after Jordan's return, and they both had moments where they beat Jordan, Horace Grant beat them in a series, and then eventually lost the next year. And B.J. Armstrong had a really good game where nobody gave the Charlotte Hornets a chance against the Bulls. Uh, and just looking at their fiery reaction to the Bulls bench and Jordan itself was pretty cool. The final thing that I want to say about the great debate is LeBron's going to have the statistics. He's going to have the accolades. He's going to have everything that you're going to want. The, the argument really goes for the 6-0 and in the finals. Um, I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think that there are a couple times in LeBron's career that he was not the better team in the finals and lost. People like to pinpoint the Maverick series, say LeBron should have won that. Absolutely. It is a blemish on his resume, 100%. Jordan's blemish is he got bounced from the playoffs in the first round multiple times. No one really ever talks about that. Everyone always wants to bring up the negatives with 
LeBron, he's going to have the statistics. He's going to have the accolades. He's going to have everything that you need for him to have in order to even be a debate. And that's the main point I want to make out of this. It doesn't matter where you fall, who you think is the greatest, if you think it's definitively. Jordan, I understand your argument. I'm here. I'll, I'll listen to it. But it's a lot closer than everybody thinks. It's not cut and dry. If the NBA resumes this year, LeBron could win MVP. His team could win a championship. Yes, there's there are other teams out there. But it's, it's not a guarantee. But there is a, a chance that he wins another one. And by winning another one, does that automatically put you in that conversation? I don't know what people want. Do they want him to win six? Do they want him to somehow erase the couple that he lost? It's it's something that I personally don't get. And for me, it still is LeBron as the greatest. Jordan is right there. It could be debated either way. My personal opinion is LeBron. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Tom R if you're on Twitter. And stay tuned for the next episode.